1: Welcome back, and I want to thank all of you for giving us such high praise for the series of podcasts we've been doing around the idea that you are morally obligated to be rich. It was a concept, a, um, a series that we'd worked on on and off for probably six months. And we are apprehensive to share with all of you guys because we know that a lot of these things, the topics that we're broaching on this, with this particular four-part series can be seen as political, can be seen as you know not leaning this way or not leaning that way. And, and frankly, some of you guys wouldn't understand what we were trying to accomplish, but I was totally wrong, and I sincerely appreciate it. Thank you so, so much. Um, for being so supportive of the series. You guys are reinforcing the idea that I think Julie and I should take this concept and make it into our, or at least make it into part of our next book. So Julie, without any further delay, welcome to today's show. And you are unmuted, yes. I checked.
2: Oh, good. Yeah, <laughs> You're ahead of yourself today. That's good. Yes, yes it, it is an interesting topic. It's uh, a little bit, got some depth to it, causes people to have to be a bit introspective and maybe even take some action as a result. So I think it's a great topic.
1: It's one of those things that when you start thinking about it, if you just like play around with the idea that you're morally obligated to be rich and you think about some of the other things that you and I touched on in the first three parts, if you actually allow yourself to kind of deep dive, you'll identify with a lot of things that we're saying. And here's the fascinating thing, guys. And, uh, you know, this is when you come across something where your initial reaction is negative, where your initial reaction is like revulsion or your initial reaction is disagreement – that right there is telling you that your ego is trying to protect itself. I know I just said something that's totally obtuse and you guys don't get it. By the way, if you want to read a great book by our friend Ryan Holiday, you want to get the book Ego is the Enemy, Ego is the Enemy by Ryan Holiday. But the essence of it is is we all have this innate desire to try to keep ourselves within these little boxes. You don't, we don't, I don't wake up in the morning and saying, I'm going to see how uncomfortable I can make myself today. What people do naturally is they want to be protected. They want to be safe. They don't want a lot of stress. They, you guys get it? And so what happens is, is that when you are living, you, you, the older you get, the more you have a tendency, especially what's going on in our society nowadays, people have a tendency to tribe up. You're part of this tribe or you're part of that tribe. I was, I was actually thinking about this you know, last night. I was thinking if you decide to call yourself, say, for example, a conservative or you call yourself a liberal, like are you 100 percent in alignment with all the aspects of what that label brings along with it? You're not, are you? Isn't that fascinating? So you might call yourself you know, a conservative, but for some reason you don't believe in the Second Amendment. I'm, I'm just giving an example, okay? So, so Second Amendment people, back off. I'm just using this as an example. Stop typing. Cons-
2: Stop emailing us. That's yes, right. <laughs> so, I mean,
1: you, if you guys are getting pissed because you think we're anti-gun, you're making my point for me. So the moral of the story is that what happens is, let's say, for example, you call yourself a conservative. And then all of a sudden you now are – you don't have all these you know, you don't, beliefs that are in alignment with the conservative, but you, you, you aren't given that voice, are you? For you to label yourself or allow someone to label you, then what happens is you then become part and parcel to what are the ebbs and flows of that particular tribe are. In other words, you have to believe what they believe or they're going to reject you. So if you go on Facebook or if you – even go and you know, meet people who are like-minded members of this tribe, and you show up and you're sitting with your friends at Starbucks and you guys are talking about the, you know, conservatives and make America great again, and then you say, but I don't think people should have the right to own a, a firearm. Do you think those other people are going to agree with you or just summarily vote you off the island? You guys get it? And so what happens is, is that your opinions start to be changed to be in alignment with the group your opinions start to be manipulated, and your ability to think freely because you desire to be a member of the tribe. And that's what happens in all organizations and all groups. And there's a natural physiological reason why this makes sense, and you know, in certain ways, it's called survival. I mean, humans had to survive as we were evolving, and the best way for people to survive uh, or would be to you know, tribe up so we can defend ourselves, right, so we can hunt together, so we can. you guys get the concept. But what happened is is that um, essentially that software of wanting to be part of a tribe in order to feel secure is still in our heads, and as you know years have passed like thousands, do we really need to be part of tribes anymore? No, but do we still have the innate desire to be part of a tribe? Yes, and that tribe then also it, it makes you poor because you 're now part, whether you know it or not, of a A poor tribe, or you're part of a middle class tribe, or you're a part of, you know, whatever group you find yourself within as you've gotten older. That's a lot of the reason why you're experiencing what you're experiencing on this planet. Your exact surroundings are essentially determined by the actions you took to be in compliance with a tribe that you decided to be a member of. Does that make sense, listeners? It's fascinating. That's all I'm saying from an academic, nerdy perspective, which what Julie and I are. From an intellectual perspective, I think it's fascinating, and so you've got to realize again there's not it's not all bad, okay, I get it this you know, I understand the concept of what Tim and Julie are saying. I get it, but here's the problem, ultimately, is the tribes that are now taking hold are also wanting you to be poor. And that's the concept that I think a lot of you – that, frankly, I was worried you'd find um, overly offensive. A little offensive is fine. Overly offensive is no bueno. But you didn't. I think you got the concept because in order for the government tribe to have power – oh, gosh, some of you who didn't listen to the first three shows don't know what the hell I'm saying – but in order for that to happen, you can't be rich. If you're rich, they can't control you. The way that you voluntarily give more control up to the government tribe it, it is by feeling insecure, by feeling like you need them to protect you. It goes back to the whole tribal software that we have in our heads when we're all running around and, you know, animal skins trying to hunt saber tooth tigers. Tigers. You guys get the point? That's where it all comes from. And we just progress through life ...without actually taking them a moment to consider why we think, why we act like we act. And you will only become the, essentially within the confines, you'll only evolve and become the person within the confines of that tribe... Sometimes people, you know, they break it down even further and say you're only going to basically – you're going to be – your environment essentially is what ultimately determines your, your your level of existence on this planet. And that's true, but that doesn't – so if you take that literally, then you're thinking, well, your house and you're this and all those things are true. But really it's your it's – your, um, I was going to say physiological environment, but that's not really what it is. It's your psychological tribe. It's your how you align yourself with your belief structure. That's what's the ultimate thing that's going to keep most of you guys poor, and has kept you poor. And we talked about in the first two podcasts about really if you get to the root of what your true philosophy is on rich people, um, and then it doesn't take too long for you to pick a scab and you realize, hey, guess what? I got some really nasty beliefs about rich people. I have some really nasty beliefs about. Salespeople. I have some really nasty beliefs about you know, maybe people should only have this much money. After all, why should that person have so much more money than the others? Well, on the headlines of Bloomberg today or CNBC, there was some article, because I always look for housing articles every morning, and then I just click off. I just look for housing articles, and I'm off. And then what, what was it? The, you know, Bernie Sanders or somebody said that there should be a law in place. I'm trying to sound like Bernie Sanders. I'm doing a terrible job. That says that, that the, you know, essentially CEOs should only make a maximum of a certain percentage more than the lowest paid employee in the company or some obscene thing like that. And and like up in uh, Canada, uh, for all of our Canadian clients, the, I was listening to a um, podcast where they were talking about Justin Trubo, Tr, Trubo, Trubo, what's Trudeau Trudeau
2: Trudeau Trubot. We met Trudeau. that
1: guy, by the way. Julie and I met him, actually, on accident. We did. But anyway, that's a different story. So, um, yeah, so he is uh, in a situation where he's now trying to pass these taxes. Now, I'll say it, and I want you guys – I'll tell you what he's doing, and I want you guys to monitor what your initial reaction is, and that will be very telling for you if you allow yourself to be even a tiny bit introspective. Okay, here it is. He wants to pass a luxury tax on top of the normal sales tax, a VAT tax, value-added tax, that type of thing, on cars over a certain dollar amount right so cars over a certain dollar amount and let's call it $100,000 over $100,000 are going to have to pay essentially an excise tax of another 20% or something like that right is that not a perfect play against the public's belief that rich people shouldn't be driving or there shouldn't be people that have enough money to spend 100,000 or whatever it was on a car do you guys see how that's essentially just uh, you know monetizing the political discontent that comes from the haves versus the have-nots, do you guys see what he's doing? Do you agree with that? Do you think that makes sense? Then if you do, that tells you what tribe you're part of, and that might tell you also why you are not accumulating more money. What are you thinking, Julie?
2: Well, I was thinking, you know, yesterday I talked a little bit about my research, and I went back to do a little bit more today, and I just thought it was kind of ironic that most of what popped up were headline, you know, people had written blog posts or articles or research or whatever that said that it converted my search to the question: Do the are the rich morally obligated to give their money away? Uh, that oh, was I saw that too. Right, and the then I thing. thought, well, yeah. well, don't you have to get it first to be able to have the choice of who you can give it to? Shouldn't it more? Shouldn't it be more like, are you morally obligated to get yourself there in the first place so you have the freedom of choosing? I'm all about philanthropy too. But it just – I don't know. The whole thing seems a little twisted to me, but that's thats the Internet for you.
1: I right. So rule number six, yeah, that's the Internet. But you know what, Julie? That's the interesting aspect of this is I was searching and I have researched this topic because it, it seems to me like this is a story that needs to be told and I'm mm-hmm. hoping we're doing a great job of it or just laying the foundations and assuming these article, or these, blog, uh, or these podcasts get indexed into Google, ours will be the only articles out there, podcasts out there, that are taking the opposite stance against yeah. all those articles about rich people should be giving more of their money away. Isn't that That's fascinating? Funny. It is. Crazy. It's amazing. But you know what? It's not like you and I are the only ones that think this. But, we're the, but people are afraid to say it. And that's even more shameful. For sure. Why are people afraid to even talk about this? Isn't that interesting, listeners? Have you ever thought about all of this? Put it in context and make it personal because that's what this is all about. Why aren't you rich? And rich is where your money works for you and you no longer have to work for your money. And use Tim and Julie's you know, essentially easy to understand definition of rich. That means when you have enough money coming in to cover all your personal overhead, in most cases it's less than $10,000 a month. See, it's a very simple to accomplish definition of rich. And, yes, Julie and I have another series of podcasts that we're dusting off and polishing up for the sake of essentially telling you about the phases of wealth building. We're going to be doing that um, hopefully in the next two weeks. I'm really looking forward to that one too. It's our previous podcast, but we've amped it up. We've, we've got drilled down a lot more and gave you a lot more specific how-to information when it comes to building your own personal, uh, <laughs> your own personal uh, wealth-building plan. Okay, So we're going to get to rule number six. And I'll read this, and then Julie and I will talk about it a little bit. Rule number six, and remember the previous five rules are in the first uh, three podcasts we did on this series. Rule number six, if you're not rich and free – you can tell I wrote this, listeners. <laughs> it's because you're choosing to be poor and dependent. You are making that choice. Someone else has not made that choice for you. Obviously, especially after listening to the first three shows, you now know it was your choice. Obviously, some people are born on third base and act like they hit homers. But stop thinking about stop thinking that the vast majority of millionaires and billionaires aren't self-made. They are. Stop being in conflict with why someone is rich. They're rich because they're providing something to enough other people that those people are willing to pay for, thus producing enough profit that they are rich. If your primary aim, if your prime if your primary aim is your immediate safety and security and two weeks off for vacation, and that's the only contribution you're willing to make, minimum effort to uh, maintain minimum comfort. Uh, if, you are every, if your every waking moment is seeking comfort, you have chosen to be dependent. If you've chosen to be a slave to your own limiting beliefs, the Social Security Administration states that 95% of people retire being dependent either on the government or a family member. I think it was 93% or something like that. But that was an interesting statistic, and that number has been out forever. By the way, if you guys are real nerds like we are, the Social Security Administration's website has some of the, most, the coolest, best statistics I've ever seen in my life. You should pop over there and click around and see the different numbers that they have. But that's something that Julie and I discovered back when we were in our early 20s when we first started paying taxes basically when we were selling real estate is that essentially 95 or 93 or something like that of everyone, when they reach retirement age – wherever that is nowadays, I think it's 67, where you can start getting all your Social Security benefits, they're either dependent solely on the government, i.e. Social Security benefits, or a family member or both, just to make ends meet, or they'll be essentially in poverty. So here they've had almost you know, 70 years, basically, because they got their financial acts together, and they don't ever do it. Why? And they, die, and they basically, you know, their final years are worrying about money. Oh, that's fun. That's a good way to live. So that's an interesting statistic, and here's another fun one. Again, I don't remember the exact number, but essentially, like it's like 95% of everyone is born and dies within the same 25 meter, you know, within 25 radius of the same spot. You're born at a particular hospital, you die at that particular hospital. You know, hopefully many decades later. I think that's kind of fascinating. Again, I'm not saying it's a good or it's a bad thing. But it does go to the idea that you're born into a specific tribe, and for most people, they've never realized that it's optional to stay a member of it. It's optional for them to not expand outside of their tribe and really search out for what might be more in alignment with what their highest and truest uh, purpose in this planet is, which really gives me the impetus – what's the word, Julie? Impetus. Impetus. That's right, for this final point. And this is, this is sorry, point number six and a half. But before I get to point number six and a half, I want to quickly remind you, if you guys want a free coaching call, if you want a copy of our uh, book, Real Estate Treasure Map, the easiest way for you to get that for free, and you, like I said, you'll get a free coaching call, is just text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Text the word Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. We will literally text you back the second you text with a link. You click the link. You will then go to our website. You will download the Real Estate Treasure Map, which is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. It is the very first step that we have all of our paid coaching members do. When you join our coaching program, job one is to finish your Real Estate Treasure Map because that is your North Star for everything you're doing in your real estate business. It goes into... You know the the weeds as far as all your numbers, and helping you determine exactly the number that you need to be rich and I'll just tell you though, for the most part, having done this with bazillions of agents on one on one calls and, and big public events, the number is almost seventy five hundred bucks so don't take my word for it. You might be surprised, it might be less or it might be more. The biggest one I've ever had, like I told you guys the other day, was someone who was spending one hundred and thirty thousand a month consistently in their personal life for their personal overhead. Um, Lots of trips to Neiman Marcus that seemed to spend a very consistent amount of money was one of the things I saw on the Amex bill when I was helping them go through their numbers. But text Lord Harris, H-A-R-R-I-S, to 31996. Oh, and also, I know some of you, a lot of you, are curious about eXp. You're maybe ready to join eXp. If you're interested and you've not named your sponsor yet and you'd like to talk about eXp, I want you to text me directly, and that's 512-758-0206. Just text me directly. If you're more than eXp curious, you're ready to join eXp, text me to – just just text me. It's my cell phone, 512-758-0206. If you're interested in learning about eXp, Uh, go ahead and text the words EXP to 31996. Just text the word EXP to 31996. But if you are ready to join EXP, just go ahead and text me directly to my cell phone, 512-758-0206. So this was part of point two, but I think it's really important to remember this, that the highest and truest purpose of all of this on this planet is to be of service to other people. Just for the sake of conversation, don't wrestle with that in your head. Just, let's just assume that you believe that. Let's just assume you do just so that you can open your mind to the next point. If you believe that's true and you understand that that is where you feel the most fulfilled, where you feel the most, like you're making a contribution, you feel like the person you want to feel like when you're helping somebody else. That is true for all of us. That's something that's written into all of our software. Okay? So if those things are true, here's the secondary thought. And this is where it gets interesting. If you accept that that's true... What happens as a result? Two things. Number one, you're going to want to learn how to be of service to more people. In, other, in, in order to do that, you're going to then refocus your mind away from the silly ego crap that so many of you guys are addicted to, the social networking, the Instagram followers, the, you know, the videos, the, all the stuff that does not do anything to be of service to anybody other than essentially boosting your ego. You think you have to be an Internet celebrity. You think you have to be an influencer, and that's going to attract people to you. It's a lie. You guys are no, you know it's a lie. When you talk with somebody who is selling 100, 200, 300 homes per year, chances are they're doing stuff like that, but then when you get into their numbers and you look to see where their business is coming from, none of it comes from stuff like that. Their business all comes from the stuff that Julie and I teach you guys how to do as part of our coaching program. Right? Now, why do they do the other stuff? Because they have not actually had an honest conversation with themselves about where their business comes from. That's usually why they're on the phone with me. And then when we're talking, we go through all their numbers. We look to where their deals came from. Obviously, all of our coaches do this. All of our Harris certified coaches. Julie does this on Premier Coaching. And you will find very consistently that your business comes from maybe five or six different lead sources. When you're a newer agent, it might come from one or two different lead sources. But the moral of the story, guys, is that other stuff that's out there that you're wasting your time and money on, I had somebody text me the other day. True story. That said they're taking out a business loan, which I don't even know what the hell that is, what the interest rate would be, a business loan so they can start their social networking campaign. They were texting me saying thank you for the podcast. No, that happened, okay? I don't even know what that is. It's a hard money loan, probably some interest rate like 30%. And so they texted me, Tim. I love this podcast. Thank you for sharing it. And and you know, as soon as I my f- business loan gets approved, I'm going to fill in the blank. And it was social networking oh. crap. Sign up for a coaching program for seven thousand dollars, guys. Is what this person was going to do. Nothing we would ever. Okay, it made my skin crawl. This was a text. I did not text back. I called back and I said, W T F? What are you thinking? And they, this was a new agent. Who never had sold anything, who'd never owned a new business before, who never knew nothing about nothing with regards to basically being an entrepreneur, or being successful, let alone what a profit was, what profit was, had no freaking clue. They fell prey, fell into the web of one of these bullshit snake oil salesmen, and they were thinking they had to spend their money on this particular product because, after all, they said it worked, and some of their agent peers said it worked. They had no way of actually knowing whether or not it worked. They were just falling blindly into debt to buy something that was basically a scam. And I told them that, and I explained to them why. And they realized what they were trying to avoid which is what many of you try to avoid is the real work in real estate, which goes back to the point I was trying to make. If you realize that your highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people, then it is your moral prerogative to then to figure out, learn how to, and implement how to be of service to as, much people, to as many people on the face of this earth, which means as a real estate salesperson, which is what you are, sorry if the word salesperson offends you, get over it. If Once you accept that that's what you are – Once you embrace that that's what you are, once you appreciate the value that you can provide to people because of the fact that you're the best of of yourself being a real estate professional, then what happens is the secondary benefit. You become rich because here's how it works. Thought one is my highest and truest purpose on this planet is to be of service to other people. Thought number two is I need to learn how to do that. And thought number three is once you actually learn how to do that and you start implementing it, then finding business is never a problem again. Do you guys understand? Let's put this in a different context. I want to be a doctor. I don't want to go to school. I just want to open up a practice. I want to take out billboards. I want to take out. I want to work on my branding. I want to work on my social networking. As Tim's the best doctor ever, I'm going to show myself leaning on a Bentley. I'm going to show myself climbing out of a jet. I'm, you guys get how stupid this is? But I do not want to go. I, look, I might go to a little bit of medical school. I'm sure as hell not going to try to get good Continuing at it. Continuing I, just I feel right. It's just enough to keep my license. I'm just going to play doctor as I'm going to act like I'm a, a, a an influencer doctor, and then people will come to me. People will flock to my door, and I'll look. Yeah, I'll figure it out along the way as far as how to help them. Oh, yeah, I'll piece it together. I know enough. I'm good enough, doctor. Hell, I was able to carve up a frog real good when I was in the seventh grade. I'd have been able to figure it out. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to make you guys laugh, but you get the point, right? The point is, is if you want to be a great doctor, the way you do it is you basically become a really great doctor, and you become the best doctor. And then what happens is people know who you are, and they seek you out. You don't have to do all the advertising and marketing bullshit because you're the best. How many of you are going to take the time to become the best at this? What are you thinking, Julie? Julie?
2: <laughs> well, I was just kind of continuing your analogy in my head, like, why not hire a uh, doctor assistant so I can then delegate all of my procedures and not even have to do that? But anyway, I'm getting obnoxious. I'm <laughs> going
1: to inform my doctor team. That's what exactly. i oh, You read my book. I don't like doing surgery, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go out and hire someone to do the surgeries, and somehow <laughs> they're going to be – Wait, wait it gets better.
2: It's going to be a VA. They can do it, can do right. it remotely. It's going to be someone from the Philippines. <laughs> I'm going to watch have YouTube them. and figure it out.
1: <laughs> do you guys get the point of the insanity that all that stuff that's basically been allowed to exist in our industry? Do you realize how crazy this is? I, here's another typical coaching call I get from people. I have someone, and this happens all the time, who has a big team. They've been listening to us begrudgingly. They're looking at their numbers and realizing they do not make a profit. They get on the phone with me, want to debate with me, want to argue with me about why I'm wrong. What they really want to do is they really want to basically be given permission to stop chasing this stupid business plan that someone sold to them, sometimes 10 years ago, 15 years ago, or maybe even last month. They're trying to realize – they're trying to accept the fact – that they have been on the wrong path and they are waiting for me to validate that it's okay for them to stop going down that wrong path. That's what most of my calls are at these big teams. They already know it's dumb. They know it's dumb because they're not making any profit. They know it's dumb because at the end of the year they haven't increased their net worth. They know it's dumb because sometimes they're even accumulating debt. They know it's dumb because they can't seem to make it work. Why can't I make my team work? Why can't I make my brokerage work? Because it's a bad business model. It's not you. You just basically bought into the idea that you could delegate everything, to Julie's point. You bought into the idea that you had to be a brand and that you needed to do an expansion team. You believed it because the people around you believed it because you were part of that tribe. Because that's what you thought you were supposed to think. It was the group think that took over. I've seen um, – I, I, I don't care. I've seen a chart that's given in presentations at Keller Williams. I believe it's called the Keller Williams Opportunity Chart. At the very bottom of the opportunity pyramid is real estate agent. And then you're supposed to go to real estate agent. Then you're supposed to go to different levels of team building. And then you're supposed to go to this. Then you're supposed to go to that. If someone comes into real estate and they have no business background and they look at that, they think to themselves, that is what I'm supposed to do. Nowhere on the opportunity chart is there a disclosure about where the profit comes in, not part of the conversation opportunity chart created by keller williams to essentially make it so that you are their opportunity don't you guys get it you're coming in the front door you then chase this opportunity chart thinking this is what you're supposed to do i'm supposed to build a seven level team okay that is in alignment with what is best for them not is what best for you you're being used Conceptually, guys, do you guys get what I'm trying to do here? Do you understand I'm trying to help you, Julie and I and our whole organization? We're trying to return the sanity to real estate, if there ever was any, frankly. And if there wasn't, then you could be one of the we lone stars it of real estate. Yes, we could create it as a group. Reality Hopefully you guys are appreciating this. That's right. Hey, Julie, you got to get the PC, sister.
2: I do. And I was just thinking, actually, that there's a certain faction in my piece, in my premier coaching class that are, I would call them uh, team defectors because they've <laughs> realized all of this and they're kind of like a combination of recovering from having been on a team and finding their way and having all these great aha moments where they're like, okay, now I get lead generation. Now I understand it. But, you know, some of that is almost like the deprogramming of how things are supposed to be so that you can lead it to profitability. So that's what I was thinking of as I go join them on our premier coaching class.
1: Yes. Oh, and Julie and I have got um, some inside news um, on the new – oh, you guys know we love talking about Zillow – but we have the inside track on Zillow's new program. And we're going to be talking about that in, uh, on, on an upturn, up, upcoming podcast. But I'll tell you what the punchline is, is they are going to start, as we told you two years ago, that is when we told you this, maybe even three on this podcast, they're going to start charging referral fees of 35%. You heard that right, 35% on a buyer referral. And you've got to fight for that buyer referral. You guys are going to be paying – agents are going to be paying more than a third of their commission for a buyer referral where usually in most markets now they're only getting 2.5% anyway. You're going to see agents out there who have never taken – never heard this podcast for sure, never read our book, Harris Rules, who are going to think, oh, that must be what you're supposed to do, and it's even more, I'm supposed to buy my buyer leads They're never going to learn how to generate themselves. They're never going to learn how to build profitable businesses. They're going to walk into their offices, their brokers, and their office and their team leaders, and because those people don't know any better because they've only been in the business for you know since really the past 10 or 12 years, they're then going to say, buy leads. That's what I did after all. Go buy your leads. Don't learn how to self-generate. Don't learn how to do it yourself. Don't learn how to to build a profitable business. So with that profit, you can reinvest it and you can be rich. They're not going to say that. They're going to say, well – 35%. Then what you guys are going to do is you're going to start thinking, "Well, I'm making the right move because nobody told me anything different. I'm going to take that $300,000 buyer lead that's paying, you know, 2.5% and then I'm going to give 35% of that away, hoping and praying that the overlords at Zillow like me enough" And give me enough and I have enough five star reviews and I'm all this the other thing that hopefully they'll throw me another lead. Oh my god, I have to keep the overlords happy. Are you free? No. You're just a slave still. You get it? This is all what we're telling you. This is where it comes from. The thinking that you have to be dependent. That's what these people want you to think. Oh nobody wants you to be rich, guys. Nobody wants you to be free. Nobody wants you to truly understand and know and embrace what we're sharing with you because when you do, you no longer are an involuntary slave to them, not just Zillow, obviously. Zillow's got a lot of great attributes. Zillow's probably one of the greatest companies that have ever been in real estate as far as what they've implemented and how they've been – I mean a consumer brand that has absolutely kicked the ass of uh, any consumer brands out there uh, forward-facing for real estate for consumers. There's no doubt. They did an amazing job implementing. And they did an amazing job getting agents and brokers to roll over and shovel out tens of millions of dollars to buy leads because these agents didn't want to take the time to learn how to do it themselves. That's insane. Buyer leads are free. Guys, all you got to do is learn how to be a listing agent. And once you learn how to be a listing agent, all you got to do is have three or four listings. And once you have three or four listings, you implement something like 1-800-home-hotline.com 1 800 Home Hotline.com, and you'll have to beat the buyers off the stick. But we're going to talk about that in an upcoming podcast. Or you can go to, I'll tell you the topic, I'll tell you the name of that show, How to Hot Rod Your Real Estate Sign. If you guys want to search that on our website, timandjulieharris.com, or you can find it on iTunes or Stitcher. How to hot rod your real estate sign? i just go to Tim and Julie Harris in the search bar, just put in the word hot rod, and you'll find it. And we walk you through exactly how to create your own buyer lead funnel for free. But the backbone of it is using 1-800HomeHotline.com. So if you guys need me for anything, it's 512-758-0206. Your homework as of yesterday, same as yesterday. As you guys are listening to us, a lot of you are listening to us on iTunes. Please subscribe to the podcast. Actually hit the subscribe button, and if you're listening to us on your mobile devices, which is 93% of you, please subscribe to the podcast, and then we'll send you the newest shows every single day. You don't have to remember to go look. If you're on iTunes, or even if you're not on iTunes, please go over to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Do not wimp out and give us a four-star review. Four-star reviews are mean. (laughs) give us a five star review alright so you guys have a fantastic day we'll talk to you on the show tomorrow
0: this program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris real estate coaching for more information on our real estate coaching and training programs visit our website at timandjulieharris.com remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows Until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris.